This is the main podcast with Carrie and Evan. This week's guests, Mark Barnett and John Angler from Higher Grounds and Above Board Cannabis. Hey everybody, it's Carrie with the main podcast. Want to thank you for listening to us for the past year and a half. Your support, interest, and friendship has been a great blessing on us, more than we ever expected. Want to thank our sponsors of the main podcast currently La Coca Nostra, Treeline Cannabis, Wisely Cannabis, Corporal Cannabis, Men, Dunny Gummy, Cure, Rugged Roots, and Watered Roots. It is because of their contributions to the main podcast that we can continue to give you this type of information about the main cannabis scene. Thank you. Needless to say, another episode of the main podcast today, we are joined by John from High Sale and Mark hello. Barnett uh, from Higher Grounds. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Oh, hell yeah. We're happy to be here. This That's now my... High Sale Above Board. High Actually, Sale yes. Above Board. We've become a hyphenated conglomerate. Let's give a thing. quick shout out. And that's located yeah. at... What's, it, what's, uh, the, uh, kidding, what's the address of the store? 353 Riverside Drive. And that's right Auburn. on Route 136, too. If you're heading to Freeport, heading to Auburn, you can't miss it. Yeah, it's on Route 136 just down the street from Cure. Yes, sir. I have a question about that, though. Is there any sailing like below board? I don't think that's even a thing. <laughs> well, you were explaining to me about there's above board and below board like like terminology yeah, for. Yeah, he I'm, went I'm, into this. I, you might have to tell us about the whole name and what's behind above board. Oh, what's behind above board? Is that what you were talking about? No, no that's not okay. what he was talking about. Yeah, I was trying to turn into it. Barnett, Barnett gave me this winky look, and I was like, Jesus, <laughs> what is he talking about? Black um, helicopters, man, run. <laughs> so above board, as it turns out, is a nautical term, and um, it effectively refers to when you have the entire crew of the ship up on the deck, therefore visible to crews on other ships, and this is a way that ships could approach each other at sea. If you put your whole crew up above board, you can see that they're not like loading the cannons and like getting their bayonets ready to drink know, and run. murder and stuff. Oh, right. And yeah. So it was a way of knowing that you could have a peaceful encounter at sea. That's above board. If you look it up in Webster's, it says legitimate, honest, and open, which is what we wanted the store to be. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Fail. <laughs> well, how about higher grounds? Yeah, <laughs> how did that name come across? Yeah, wait, and, and no, to be fair, I didn't. So, you guys, higher grounds is a cannabis storefront, also. It absolutely, yeah. We're a medical dispensary. I mean, caregiver dispensary, whatever the hell term you want to use. Mm -hmm. in, in Portland, technically, it is a uh, medical marijuana retail store. Yep. But it's been a coffee shop since 2017. So this is at the same place at the coffee shop. Same spot. Oh, awesome! Yep. And when did you guys? Because I, I went in there. I think prior to um for some small meetings and stuff i think before you guys were selling cannabis products yeah, when we had table space yeah <laughs> yeah so now what is it like now i mean how has the transition been you're still serving coffee i assume and oh, yeah i mean yeah, we're, oh, yeah. you know we're still right down there in the old port you know uh kind of tourist walk around you know crowds all day in the summer kind of spot but um you know, we, we really wanted to keep that business. That was the whole concept from the beginning. In 2017, we knew we were pursuing a cannabis license. The city didn't have any. 
the adult use medical thing was totally up in the air. Um, and we knew we just wanted to get open, start building our brand, introduce people to who we are, what we do. And it's, you know, the other kind of, to some extent, it's my other vice. You know, I have coffee. I wouldn't call cannabis a vice, but coffee is a little bit of a vice. Like we can all admit that caffeine is a mean drug. Um, the coffee at Higher Grounds is super fabulous. Mm -hmm. as well. Is that what you got into? Did you uh, look around for coffee roasters or people who uh, could carry it locally? Was yeah, that the idea? Absolutely. When we basically decided to pull the trigger on looking into in Portland and um, finding a spot, I knew that this was how I wanted to do it, but I needed a partner. So, you know, I'm from Maine. I, I know Portland's roasters, and I knew right away that um, Speckled Axe was the partner that I wanted. It's definitely the best green buyer, meaning when he's buying coffees, introducing new stuff, you know, whatever vibe he's looking for for the finished product. It's really the hardest part is buying those unroasted beans, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's just it's a whole different set of skills. Um, and Matt over there at Speckled Axe is just amazing, you know, just really, I've always just really loved his coffee. Um, there's a lot of great roasters in Maine, but is it about the quality of the bean? Is that what you're looking at? Like, don't uh, even ask how, me like, these questions. No, I'm okay, totally never mind, unqualified. Never mind. <laughs> no, all right. I didn't know how much you ventured into it since you said it was like one of your vices. Sure. Uh, like, I mean, look, I, again, indulgence, I, have a, I guess. Yeah, I have an enthusiast's knowledge, but that is nothing compared to people that actually do it on a day to day basis. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, it's really great because when I approached Matt and I kind of told him about the concept, um, you know, he was totally loved it he's not even a heavy cannabis user or anything like that but he just loved the idea loved the concept loved of course an opportunity to display his coffee somewhere else and um so we basically just kind of came to an informal agreement like i'm only gonna purchase your coffee and i want to rep you down there on, on in the old port and oh by the way do you know anybody who's looking to manage a, you know a coffee program and so I really lucked out, um, you know, and thank you for your compliment earlier about the quality of the product. It is phenomenal. I would I would argue it's probably some of the best coffee on the East Coast. Um, and that's really a lot due to my general manager who I met through Matt. Her name's Tessa. She used to work for Matt. And he was like, oh, my God, she's out trimming weed in California right now. But you guys have to connect. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's kind of how, you know, the the like actually making it work really took off on the coffee side. Uh, I don't think anybody expected it to be a three and a half year wait from there. <laughs> no, for sure. What a stall, huh? Who has been really behind? That now. was brutal. One thing I want to know is who's really been behind the branding and creating the Higher Grounds brand? Because I feel like that's one thing that's been like a centerpiece for you guys. Yeah, one thing I've noticed you. about like your Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. It seems like you guys have really been brand centric and focused from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 I came out of the, the sort of, uh, research analyst world in business. So, you know, I knew that this is a super competitive market, that there's a lot of great product around. I mean, we all know that it's falling yeah. off the trees. It's ridiculous how much yeah. great product there is. Um, and that it was already a very brand centric market. You know, people were, were buying their hazy hill. People were going for their green truck, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, you, you had your sort of your, your anchor brands and, you know, you really have to establish that if you want really to succeed, especially in retail too, because, you know, retail um, is a totally different ball game than cultivation or even, you know, processing or, 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 ma or making products. So, um, a lot you know, of I cross think that was, promotion. 
Yeah, across, you know, just and, and finding partners and knowing what will fit with what you really want to be doing. Um, and I think that was, you know, obviously we're very lucky in Maine. There's just such a huge, you know, cornucopia of options to choose from, which is the special, most special thing about our market. Um, and so I was really able to both know my own what I wanted from that shop and then find people with whom that actually resonated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I went into New York city or I went in, even into California and said, this is my amazing concept, none of the products fit what I'm trying to do because <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Um, you're not allowed to be in the market if you're a two person team, husband, wife, or small cultivator who just loves cannabis and has like this particular way of growing and has a particularly excellent product or strain. But, here we can do that um and so i was waiting for years to be like i want to showcase my friends amazing shit mm -hmm. and it, it took it took a while but i'm glad that it you know i'm yep. glad that you see that because yeah. it you know it's a project you know i couldn't have imagined uh seeing the market just unfold a little bit as it was stalled out front of you but i guess to some degree that's not a bad thing that you allow it to kind of take its own shape and you can evaluate it or analyze it like you like to do yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it cuts both ways. You've got both an opportunity to watch the market develop around you and see what people are buying. And there's an, a little bit of market intelligence out there, so mm -hmm. you, especially if you know a lot of folks. And that's one thing I'm, you know, one of my specialties is just knowing shitloads of people and yep. kind of connecting and maintaining yeah. relationships and networking. And so I just I did get to see a little bit of that. So, yeah, there was a little bit less guesswork mm -hmm. at my launch. I kind of knew, okay, this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Um, and that process of watching it all happen and fighting over it, frankly. You know, the minute I got here, I started fighting. You know, I just threw myself right into it, both in Augusta and in Portland. And, you know, you meet people, they surface. And so that, I think, was an advantage to some extent in terms of hitting my, my note. Mm -hmm. Of course, my pocketbook... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that totally, wasn't totally uh, no, that was nice. You know, yeah, that was nice. Very different, you know, budgetary. Well, do you picture. mind me digging into that too? Is yeah. is uh, not your pocketbook one hundred percent? Yeah, yeah, sure. Is did you see an upside of owning a coffee shop in Portland? And what is if if weed aside, cannabis aside, how hard is it to sustain a small coffee shop like that in such a big city? Where obviously, I mean, you know, the rents for some of those downtown areas, I, I imagine, are astronomical. You know, to anybody out there listening, don't even try. Yeah, <laughs> don't even do it. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, not to to be cynical, but um, it's hard. Coffee's a very low margin business unless yep. you are a roaster. Mm -hmm. So if you're a roaster, that coffee shop, it's kind of to some extent, you know, John, you've started to see this as a cultivator vertically integrating now into a retail shop. Right. Like that retail shop makes so much more sense because of the cultivation and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And that's very true with with coffee as well. Um, now, of course, we were right in the tourist gut where, you know, you're kind of guaranteed high amount of yep. traffic yeah. to be sniping off of. But what people kind of lose sight of, and I think people are continuing to lose sight of this in a market like Portland is actually your irregulars and the Portlanders are going to be way more of your margin. Mm. You know, unless you're really right in that one spot like um, trying to think of what's the what's that it has a universality to like liquid riot universalness. I'm sorry. No, I know what you're saying, but liquid riot. You know, that's a place that probably makes almost all of their margin off of tourists. Right. Mm -hmm. Who's going to pay twenty two dollars for a burger? Mm -hmm. But people do, um, and that wasn't really our concept was to to skin the tourists. But it's like tourists could feed you to keep you alive while you 
grow, spread your wings, and really integrate yourself into the into the you know. They almost provide that capital above living. You know, it's yeah. like that's your extra stuff to grow, like you said, in advance. Yeah, they're feeding you, yeah. you know, and that keeps you alive. And it's not, you know, it's not your bread and butter at mm-hmm. the end of the day, but it's it pays the fixed costs. Yeah, yeah regulars in almost any industry, yeah. especially food service, hospitality. Yeah. Right. And being a coffee shop where you want up yeah. people to also stay in yeah. and kind of enjoy the it's atmosphere. It's not Times Square. You know? No, it's not Times Square. Nothing in Portland is Times Square. Nothing in Maine is Times Square. Yeah. And I think there are some businesses that try and that, you know, to, yeah. to replicate those, those type of uh, venues and as cool as they are, as everyone wants it, but that's what makes those areas like Times Square, like, you know, uh, Boston, that's what makes those areas special because they're not, you can't replicate them. You know, yeah. it, it's, it, they're special, that location the for, yeah, is, it's, is everything. It's right? unique to that. So I also wanted to talk to John a little bit about branding and spinning off because, you know, you, you have high sale, which is essentially your cultivation above board has become your store and i i've been in it i was in it in the early stages to see some of the progress that you're making and there was a lot of focus on brand as well you know and i, I don't know if you want to talk kind of about the location that you have and some of the stuff that you guys went through and sure. some of the thought that was put into it because there is a heavy <laughs> nautical theme but not one that's over the top one that's just it's like kind of a slight touch i you know it's, it's a really cool location one that me and carrie fell in love with the first time we saw it you well, did too. You knew it was always more than just a cultivation. I was space. amazed it was in that building. Yeah. I was like, "Holy moly! It's a yeah, beautiful so, space." So I built the grow first. You mm-hmm. want me to smoke more? Is what you're floor. telling me? <laughs> you want to smoke more? Building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how you were with sharing. Everything. I'm fine. All right. And um, there was a the grow is built in an old cabinet shop, you know, like a wood shop. And there was a showroom space associated with a business downstairs that wasn't fully utilized that we knew we could turn into a store because I discussed it with the owner of the building. And um, so eventually we were able to do that last year after COVID started, we kind of, you know, hunkered down. Um, I met a, I, well, I had met through one of my old friends that's been involved with the business for several years now. Um, Another guy who he got laid off um, he had been working at a, he lives here in Maine, but he had been working like flying around the country, basically building stores and grows for. Oh, really? In uh, marijuana friendly states already? Or, yeah, or new ones? Yeah, well, or? for a big company that uh-huh. doesn't operate in Maine, that uh, operates in like, I think, 10 different states altogether. I'm not really sure. Some experience in the dirty, dirty, right? Well, he had experience. He's he had probably ex- dealt a lot with city and state. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For he, sure. he had he had fought far bigger <laughs> fires than we fight in Auburn, Maine, uh, in terms of that that kind of stuff. So he actually got laid off from his job, and we had already met socially, and we had hit it off. Um, and so he started kind of hanging around, and um, and ultimately we decided to work together on developing the store. And um, he helps out with all kinds of things. He's a he's a pretty talented guy. Yep. So you can meet him. That's PJ mm-hmm. at Above Board. If you go yep. to Above Board, you can ask for PJ. It's all about people, and especially in a small business environment, it really is. It will be, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's going to tend to be that way. It's always yeah. PJ be about came that. up with the name Above Board. Actually, that was his idea, his his suggestion. <laughs> but we, you know, did he we, know you'd know it immediately. The meaning. To get residuals? Uh, or, yeah, what's up? Actually, what's in it for him on this one? Yeah. Actually, what happened was uh, what we knew is that we wanted to 
do a new brand that was like a retail brand that we would launch that would be apart from high sale, which I thought was a product brand. Yeah. I think that, and I, I think agree. a lot of people have, have preached that. I think it worked well. It's the, that model has worked well with a lot of people. We see like uh Bridget farms has used that. I believe, you know, record would send Um Well, what does Kevin, target do? I mean, right. Yeah. What so, does Walmart do? What is, you know, CPS? Well, even creating sub brands. Uh, you yeah, look at like the young group, you know, they're like, they all, they have cereal and then they brand it all underneath these, these yeah. different names, you know? So it is, it's just kind of like basic business, but it I can I, lose I, I people agree. sometimes. Yeah. It can, that instantaneous can sometimes be a stall. But I, I, I I, that's where I think the credit goes though too, where there is a lot of consistency between high sale above board, the whole branding of you walking into a nautical shop. And that was one of the things that I, that I was talking about. I really liked about it was he was excited thought. to show the rope, the rope. I, that's what I'm, that's literally the one thing I have in my head too. And just those small details <laughs> where know? it's not over the top though. It doesn't feel like you're walking into, you know, the mainly moose or something like that, where they're trying to be over the top with everything, but that's their brand. I think so it's just a the, nice, the, is that a captain's house at one time. What the the store yeah. space? No, before, prior, captain no. for what the Anderskog and River cabinets, man. Oh, um, no. always so, cabinets. Uh, <laughs> yes, for the Andro. That's the, what I was thinking. The history, Too far up. The history of the building Too that my that <laughs> the grow and the store are built out in is that it was built a hundred years ago. Originally, it was a slaughterhouse, and then it served for woodworking for many decades after. Um, the Thomas Mosier Furniture Company was actually started in that location. Huh. No oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Did they Nobody's have anything to do with some of that work in there? The fucking harps well. Oh, there's it's the space. The, is it? the, the, my landlord's business, which they do, like, they hang doors in the casings and kind of ship them out. Um, it's a really big business. It's like a bigger, certainly a bigger business than our business. Right. Yeah. Well, you can't have my nautical lights, John. I have no article in, in February. It was and, in February. Yeah. And the nautical thing is because I actually grew I, I grew up here in Maine at Bodenham. And I was very lucky that my parents had a little sailboat. And nice. me and my brothers would go out with them in Casco Bay and beyond. Very nice. So I grew up sailing the coast of Maine. My dad, <clears throat> sailing is a huge passion for him. And, uh, you know, I had all those, experience, to you. those experiences in my childhood. Like I've sailed across the Gulf of Maine to Nova Scotia hmm. before in an open water crossing. Shit. And definitely um, gone, you know, all the way up through Penobscot Bay and even beyond many, nice. many times in my childhood. Many times. Yeah. He's a That's nice to be able to share that. No, I've never had that much ocean time. I, I can't say or pay time. Yeah, we, we were really lucky. We kind of, you know, my brothers and I kind of hated it because we were kids and it's like small boat and you're trapped and, you know, yes. parents had a lot of rules. Captain Dad had a lot of rules. Uh, but we're all making sense now. Of yes, course. Uh, we, we're lucky to be able to get to do that, obviously. And it's um, a lot of things like that in Maine, you, you, you know, if you've ever moved or lived anywhere else or you just have some context, you just take for granted almost how lucky you are that at almost any time you could roll down the hill to somewhere beautiful remote somewhat pristine quiet you know yeah yeah that's my parents got place on tacoma lakes john mm -hmm. and i were talking about it because we didn't realize we're just a couple lakes apart right now at times oh, yeah. when i'm up that way yeah 
They had it since the mid seventies, and it was it's a cool thing to say. We're just a couple lakes apart. Like we're just a couple lakes apart. You can say that. down the lake, Nabo, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say what he said down the lake, Nabo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean that's true. I hear a lot of times when I was growing. We all up, have a retreat. I hear a lot of I can't wait to leave the state. Can't wait to leave. The state. I always thought I was like, you know, I fucking like it here. I, I don't know. I like the Four Seasons. I always thought it was a great place to live, and now I see more and more. I think as people grow up and get older, they realize that. That's why a lot of people want to retire here. You know, sure. it's a pretty cool place to live as long as you can weather through the winter and then maybe you can become a snowbird like a lot of other people do. But you got to be like my mom and see winter as a time to put some muscle on. Yeah. <laughs> put you know, some muscle. Put some muscle on. Just get out and shovel every day and you're like battling and all this weight. You, know, you just attack the winter. Stock, uh, the exactly. That whole flowing. It's a more physical requirement. I mean, unless you have a giant garden or something, but yeah. You know, winter is physically demanding, which is why so many older people leave. You know, just like just can't physically. Well, so hot, yeah, so long your body yeah. can endure I, that. I can't too. open my doors anymore. Okay, I got to give up. You yeah, know? yeah. We one of the things, um, I, Mark, we spoke to you, or I got to speak to both of you. Yeah, uh, um, back in late April, it was. Yeah, we were talking about the. OMP VLA meetings coming up. Mm -hmm, yes. We we're always talking about the worst case scenarios and yes, that's what we and then this happens, you know, successes and kind of a little bit more than I think we all anticipated. Yeah. Would, would that be fair to say? Well, kind of we, resounding we, in, we in the sense of the message. We can't take for granted what we've just achieved. No, no, not at all. I'm yeah. not talking no, that way. Right. It was just nice to know that. That is a very fair characterization. I think that all of us are almost still trying to interpret what that means. Um, but just not only did we squeak by and survive, but we actually proactively set a new edge in the sense that it's clear now that you can't just sort of assert sovereignty over something that everybody's okay with as an outsider whether you are Cure Relief or Acreage Holdings or the fucking governor's office, you know, not to put this on Governor Mills, no, but right. literally this is, there's a lot of things that, that went into what almost happened. Right. And it's not an issue necessarily of who the person is, but the way that the institution operates. And even an institution as powerful as the main executive branch, when they went too far, mm. which they very clearly did, Everybody said no. It wasn't just the House. It wasn't just the Senate. It wasn't just the people. A strong influence, though, from the executive on if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, that in itself should have been, especially when you have a dominant number in, in both Yeah. Uh, well, that's why chambers. we all thought worst case scenario. So, yeah. you know, we were all preparing for that because you just know your hill is steeper when you have to literally argue with the executive's party to try to split them and their their very concept of how they organize is to be unified right mm -hmm. and i would say that that's something that's special about maine versus oops, sorry about that versus elsewhere that that kind of centrist unity serve the party first kind of you know totally anti-democratic stuff just isn't as strong here um, and that's had a reputation of that, right? Right. And really I think kind of swaying one way or the, the other. Streak. Well, the independent streak. Yeah, exactly. The, the purple state, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But we actually saw that this 
in 2021 more than I've you know ever witnessed it anywhere probably I mean it's like I, I hate to overestimate you know the impact of something like this because again bills there's new bills that are going to come and there's going to be new stuff that's going to happen and, and and industries are already these organic wild things but you know we did something that no other state has done in a lot of ways and that other states and other activists can now literally google it they can google it and say oh wow that preamble really does explain what's going on right now wow this this uh, this outlining and redlining of executive authority um really is the issue that we have to look at um you know the more you let it be an inside insiders club the worse it's going to be for literally everyone except those tiny percent and it's just so hard to play inside baseball in maine you know we we open these that. type of politics are generational though or or it's how politics are operated it's isn't it about getting the voice or having the voice having the chance to have a voice so when you Not say only generation you have to be able to yeah like um Sometimes, it, regardless of the party, it's almost the agendas that are at play in mm-hmm. in in cycles a little. Oh, you bit mean more. oh, you mean the nonpartisan, more cultural element mm-hmm. of well, and like so how they grab on to and they'll they'll mm-hmm. pull on on different. So Maine has been a little bit more impervious to it in the past, but also in some other ways, socially, yeah, uh, social um, acceptance. It's been a little slower. Uh, not not that it's damaging it's it's learning it's a sedate it's understanding a little bit better it's a calm pace it's Mm. it's a it's a pace that isn't necessarily driven by disparate desperation from any angle or too many you know more intense pressures at cities that have larger populations and like areas where you know google and amazon are outbidding each other to try to be you know those kinds of places that just have so much more intensity and they have so much more chaos like Maine is a little more stable in that way I think and that to, just to that point about sometimes they're slower to adopt things but like it's a it's an ocean wave it's what not it happens it's not like a peak and then a valley uh-huh. and a peak in a valley it's like we are moving in this direction <laughs> and uh, anyway I don't know I like it, does suck, think, like, it does suck to think though that when you look at a lot of other states that are kind of mm-hmm becoming you know able to provide on a medical angle or recreational angle a lot of times a lobbyist already there in the sense of the rules that are set yeah. from the beginning are yeah. nothing similar to the rules oh, that are set in right. me so on point you on. know we kind of had a, a really and like i i have to give credit i feel like a state like oklahoma they really just opened it up to everyone yeah. and that was a more fair but like, you look like pennsylvania some of these places require like you know uh, accounts for insurance you have to have like a million dollar insurance bonds and stuff like this and all and, and a couple oh, a quarter million dollar cultivation application fee. exactly <laughs> yes. so, and, it's like, and so those are right from the grid that, that is that is like the that is the first ground level caregiver yeah. where if we take the first ground level caregiver in maine you it's know grand. was was what and then they Get were crop up yeah dues. and so i think there's a, a huge difference between that and so we are pretty fortunate and i'm glad that we're definitely having these victories and i wish more states would kind of see that they don't have to enter the cannabis market and and glorify places like acreage holdings and other things like that. I, I think that's a big part of why we decided when we were drafting, you know, bills for this session. You know, there were a lot of ideas out there in the community. There were a lot of, you know, actually, if you go and look at the record, there were, oh, John, I don't even remember how many cannabis bills that didn't get passed. You know, we passed like four different cannabis bills. Two of mm-hmm. them really 
really impactful. But there's this, you know, there was this whole body of other ones. And there's, so there are a lot of ideas about what to do and a lot of things. And I think we decided based on seeing that reality that nowhere else is there an established existing market that can point to fucking sales tax. I can point to your neighbor's job. I can point to your cousin's struggle with cancer. I can point to you and say, we are already here. This is already a thing. When you talk about the dangers to the children, the reason we have to track because these guys are all crooks, wouldn't that already be obvious? And everyone around the room can be like, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. Like, so thank you. And as you say, that is very, very unique. And we can't lose sight of that either as activists, because on a national level, if you just assume that making the argument, that's the right argument, which is that first part, but not having the ecosystem that we have, which is the second part, that strategy isn't necessarily replicable, right? You are going to have to have a different, but anyway, just to get to where we came from on that is, we decided to swing for the fences and say, actually, not only are we going to put this in this bill, but we're going to put this in this bill, and we're going to put this in this bill, we're going to put this in this bill, and we're going to strip out tracking. Well, it was like, uh, just you know, as assertive as it. it was in our face, you, the yeah. counter was just as strong. Just as strong, yeah. because it was, I think, and... and, and that was you know, necessary, wasn't it? I think so. And I think we as an association... This is one of the things I'm happiest about, about what has happened with, you know, political organizing and with just the members of the association, how that's really kind of matured, is that I think we all talked about it and we thought about those other scenarios a lot. And John proposes, well, if we do that, doesn't that invite, you know, and somebody else is worried about a totally different angle, Mm -hmm. but we're all kind of talking about it you know, in a very real way. And we could get to consensus on something that controversial. Because if you get a, a room full of caregivers, 20 of them together and say, hey guys, um, what's the most important issue to you? So I would have people call me after we released the text of LD 939 and say, well, why didn't you put my issue in there? You know, really letting kids who are 18, 19 and 20 who are part of a family work in their parents' store is more important than blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, you know, you can tell me that and present that to me in a list and participate in civic activity and do things for others. And then maybe people will recognize that issue more or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, sidetrack. Not letting it get unnoticed, though. Not allowing anything to slip through. Yeah. And and we were able to, like I was, you know, just kind of trying to get to about what the association came together enough to do really controversial things. Like, let's not just delay the rules two years. Let's change how rules are written all the way back so that they have to go through every possible eyeball on them, as they should. Let's require them to do an extra level of contact with the community, you know, and let's um, just take away some of their, their powers because no matter who you are, good, bad, neutral, aggressive, conservative, that this and that. It can change. It can change. Yeah. And they don't need the tools that they were asking for. And that was the biggest disconnect is that, um, you know, you don't just create a dangerous, powerful, over-regulatory state without a reason for every single thing that that thing is then going to do. Because why are you regulating it if there isn't a clearly articulate, how could you possibly do it right anyway so we we did a very controversial thing and said like you said 
oh, that was an incredible big, you know, strike you just took, giant missile. Well, the anti-aircraft, you know, was overwhelming. We actually came back with even more and then dropped it right there. Got a 33 or 32 to 3 vote, 32 to 2 vote in the Senate. Mills doesn't veto it. Wow. All of yeah. a sudden, this isn't. Well, this that would have been the most political Whoa. assassination for mm. her if she does veto that. Yeah, you're right. That end. <laughs> At that well, point, it would be right? a symbolic act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it would it would have forced been cost. a negative that, would one. Would that have inflicted a little bit more of eyes being looked at that? Thousands that of votes lost to, in like, a general would... election for something like that. Yep. And we were kind of relying on that mm. to some extent. And I don't sit, try to say this too, again, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But it, like, that's why we brought and wanted, no matter where your politics lie, we wanted to have so many people on the other side of the line and independence. Yeah. You know, if you look at our crazy, quote unquote, controversial bill, it had an independent on that as well and we did that literally intentionally i mean of course the guy's views on cannabis also aligned mm-hmm. but it's you know democrats republicans independents we're the greens anybody this is nonpartisan. it's not bipartisan it's nonpartisan, and that makes things like vetoes way more challenging even if it had been a closer vote it would still be a mm-hmm. for yeah, her to veto it because yeah. then the other party will run against you on it you know and that's so we, but the amount of damage that could have been done in such a short period of time, though, you know, I mean, I, I sometimes wonder when we talk about dates like an election, the next two years mm-hmm. can possibly sometimes make an impact on a state or a city level. Right. You know, but and it could be four, it could be six before it really impacts the changes that have come about. Well, I hope that that's what the strategists would read into a situation like this mm-hmm. you know, or would bring to the analysis and to be perfectly frank, real talk politics, I think some people did get that message. Yeah. Like, whoa, even if we kind of agree thematically or this isn't my issue, I see the damage. Six years from now, tomorrow, you know, next week maybe, in certain districts, big, what is it, a 10-person vote swing might make the difference. Oh, yeah. You know? We wow. had a we had a great yeah we had a great uh, representative lose to uh, Representative Laurel Libby um, by how many votes just this past election, you know, and that's a complete swap, totally different types of people. Anyway, um, it can happen very quickly here, and so I think that that was something eventually that was observed and in, incorporated into the overall strategy. Yeah, votes. We did have that immediate uh, kind of energy with um, the senator. God, it, it eludes me, but um, I'm just having a high moment. I can't remember yeah, yeah, I who came on in uh, on the Wilson? election. It was in like March, I think. Oh, yeah, Senator Craig Hickman. Yes. Yeah, you. wow. I see that Let's another thing about I said his name, right? serendipity. <laughs> I just had a high moment. That's Talk about serendipity okay. right there. I mean, that was Sarah another Hickman. thing that needed she to have happened. She a million dollars to somebody recently. What? what the cause was. Oh, uh, well, I wouldn't quote you tough, on that. Not being a, <laughs> tough not being a senator. Um, well, what? what did you say? So his was an overwhelming, <laughs> you know, statement kind yeah, of victory in a marginal district. And I think it, you know, there were it so came many. Came at the right time. Came at the right time, but there were so many other political currents. But a lot of people who are pro cannabis or just anti stupid cannabis contributed to his campaign because they know that he is listened to there that he's respected 
And if we need to do something right on this issue during a crisis, which is where we were at, that was a major crisis point. Mm -hmm. Do these rules get implemented? That would have been a disaster. It would have. Literally been a disaster. Anybody who's a serious adult can recognize this now. Um, And you knew that he was going to be the linchpin with a certain group. You know, I don't put... Craig is a wonderful person. He's an amazing senator, incredible public servant, so talented. But nobody's like a hero. Nobody's a, oh, a, no, a no, god, not right? Anyone and you know sure, that just a role, I suppose. You know the, yeah. the position being held. Well, and he's also working on like, like right to food, and he, you know he's a senator. He's he's there's a lot that they have on their plates. Mm-hmm. So you know he's going to be that perfect support in the moment when he's best used. Yeah, and that's how it's every part of a political campaign should be thought of, you know, and, and we just kind of had this organic alliance and Craig has been around these issues forever. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrote the minority report for 1719, which passed the adult use program. Um, you know, he's been a part of it. Um, and yeah, wow. Was that, was that huge? Having somebody in the room during the public hearing to be like, let me ask a question that everyone needs to hear answered. Let me give you another two minutes to talk. You know, that, that was invaluable. How many yeah, times like, did we see that, you know? Yeah. He was literally holding down a public hearing or holding down a work session being like, well, everybody else had to leave for that. We don't have this other thoughtful person in the room. They could just slam this through. I just need to sit here and ask some more questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's politics. That's, that's politics. Well, we had a lot of people who had a chance to at least uh, organizations, alliances, mm-hmm. associations. I, I know there was a lot of uh, collaborative work um, to what degree obviously it's you know it's known between the groups that were involved huge amount large yeah and i think the overall public response or or was the public the cannabis public yeah was really uh really supportive as well you know um so leaps and bounds i think we made some headway there we have some work ahead of us for sure yes we can't but that was a great lesson you you highlight a great lesson that you know it was the coordination and the coming together and the collaborative work yep. that people did that really drove home and cemented the success mm-hmm. you can have a wonderful political gambit and tactic intellectually and then the execution of that through messy real time gets i gotta yeah. admit it was my first uh foray into uh state and state mm. politics ever to be able to take a look at it and really uh, be be involved or or try to have an awareness of yeah. what policy changes were going. Before this moment, I uh, hadn't really had a an exercise. Do you know how, how one of the newbies? Why you can't see it on on you know on the radio, but my smile is so wide right now because <laughs> I think that that happened for thousands of people in Maine, yeah. which is what really gives me confidence that what we've done is going to stick. You know, people are going to continue to see and like you. How active can we be together without being too? Uh, to like you got to let it be organic yeah I suppose yeah about how do we start that organicness but the organic happens you know imagine walking into an ecosystem where three thousand people hadn't just learned all of this new information yeah, right. and all this new process versus one that did and the guys you run into in the bar and the girls you run into the everyone you run into in the bar that in that bar is going to be a select pack because there's just more awareness you saw I mean, everyone now knows the sides yeah. in, medi- in the quote-unquote medical versus adult use, which is an unfortunate way to frame it, but that's what ends up happening from a regulatory perspective. Everybody has learned, you know, who Hannah King is representing and, and what bills that she might endorse or have been a part of writing or might be lobbying for mean. 
people saw, saw that and they know it now they can see it and be like i identify that and i write an email to somebody about it and i refer back to it in case anybody wonders there's only one company testifying against this shit and that was who it is so you get it right and th that's like a permanent political fact that you can use three years from now you can use six years from now Boom. collectively you know exactly <laughs> boom and not even to call out that individual but more the company she represents mm. right you could see where it was coming from and you so all the, saw it the basically the shit we're seeing on instagram barnett's like yeah it's the politicians true. in augusta are seeing that in their universe yeah you know so right that's that's part of why we won right because we They're got also that adults. truth out there right these representatives are, and like you said about the public. I mean, they kind of out themselves because they're just yeah. such shameless actors yeah. and actresses. And what way is, in what ways is it most shameless now? The like what what becomes most where to begin? What do you see, John? <laughs> well, let's let I'll John stop talking first, for a second. That way you can gather your thoughts. I'll stop yelling. Yeah. Wait, what? What is most what's shame? The, what's most shameless to like the type of preservation that? The members of like the MCCA are are looking for in this united move. I know it's been a breather. It's obviously been a needed breather, but to know like okay, you just went to war, or you had a battle, however you want to perceive it, and those type of that was much greater than just the cannabis industry, though. Too to me, it didn't feel. Yeah, maybe it was a battle. I don't know. I've never been to war. So no, I for sure I, I it was know. a conversation in public as well. It was it felt like <laughs> a sustained push. Mm. You know, I remember that I was, you know, trying to, you know, keep keep on my plate personally, you know, to do some actions through a long period of time to try to get to that point. And what's cool is there were actually like hundreds of people making that same personal effort. And it's in that collective that mm -hmm. we achieved the success that we have. Mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. it was a multitude in the range wasn't yeah. it and you know the, the also the other groups you know the main growers alliance the cannabis coalition uh mccm pretty much anyone who'd ever been engaged in testifying or whatever in any way in augusta came out during even this. so eddie dugay eddie? <laughs> personally i met because I met him in Auburn City Hall and, and Augusta because he was a lobbyist for what was formerly Remedy and eventually Cureleaf. And evidently- right, He worked for Remedy, to be fair. But that yeah. that relationship has been severed at, at yeah. some point right. in the past. And now he's, you know, he has his own caregiver-based company and he yeah. has joined our cause and, and was, I think, very helpful yeah. out there. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people know him and he's a, actually a very, very impressive guy and former rep, been wonderful around. guy. I always liked him very, very much mm -hmm. whenever I met him. And he's, he's uh, so it's just cool to see that broad coalition mm -hmm. of different people all say, you know what? Maine can go a different way. We don't have to follow this cookie cutter model yeah. that all the other states have followed. It's been complained about in every state because it was so damaging to local economies and local businesses, uh, local patients, and really has and just only so benefited like wealthy people, corporations and investors, blah, 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 yeah. all well, along the way. We're, so we're going to encounter a saturation though at some point. So it's not all going you mean to here be, in Maine. Well, yeah, here what, in Maine. what we have now is a very open access system. Mm -hmm. So that means there will be plenty of supply. 
it's going to be good for patients. Oh, sure. And patients but, but will adult, have great choice. Right. The adult use market, though, it lacks in a lot. There's a, a perceived idea that uh, for some it's the convenience of, I don't need to get a med card. It's misinformation mm. or, or, you know, not well, There's really definitely some of that, yeah. But when you say saturation, do you mean kind of all of those markets sort of squished together? I think, working I think together, we haven't fully what seen like. what, uh, what no, the markets nothing. are going to be, no. and, and, and we're heading towards. As a business analyst, I would say. No, I'm just kidding. But well, what? <laughs> I mean, as a business analyst, I would say. But no, I, I totally agree with you. You don't have to be working. And I think if uh, I think it becomes that, I fully think. exposed if we lose certain, yeah. certain um, I guess, agreed upon uh, concepts or ideas or protections, uh, mm. you know, the, the complexities of a medical card or mm -hmm. the out-of-state mm -hmm. impact on how much we do get from out-of-state people who are coming up for retail because it is the best product yeah. in the country. Yeah. Um, Those yeah, who that, can. Yeah. Well, I think we need to defend... We the need right to defend that. It's main almost growers like it and producers to serve those people. I mean, look, you listen to, if you just listen to these patients when they come up here, I mean, they have a difficult situation back where they're from in terms mm, of procuring safe, effective medicine at a reasonable price. Yeah. They're making a long journey to come here. And they, they feel like they need to do that. And so we should be defending the right of main producers, growers, extractors, processors, all of us to serve that need, which is very good for Maine's local economy, obviously. Yeah. I think, yeah, what you're really, yeah, what we're doing there is we're, we're allowing a craft ecosystem to exist, which is the only reason anybody in the future is going to drive to Maine or fly to Maine around cannabis or associate good things with Maine about cannabis because most of the rest of the country doesn't know all that much about us or isn't close to us. No, not yet. We haven't started it, advertising, so to speak. Correct, right? Yeah. But but give me four years, and I don't think we're going to have federal legalization by then. There certainly won't be. No, there I won't be federal. Ask you, that's on my list of questions. Yeah, good, good. Well, we'll get we'll get there. You know, later. we can we can get there now if you want. No, no, no we'll okay, get there okay. later. We'll get there later. But uh, you know, in that world, let's say where barriers all are gone. What is going to differentiate any cannabis versus the Colombian shit that gets grown for absolutely nothing and is just massively, you know, the sun just crushes in greenhouses there and they're exporting millions and millions of tons. And what the fuck are you going to do as a as a craft guy? Well, the only thing you're going to do is have a better product, you know, and have a connection to your community and a reason for a person to buy it from you, even though it isn't the Walmart price. Right. There's a market for Walmart and a market of necessity too, mm -hmm. which is where this gets into like class and about why we shouldn't make it expensive to do this business because we also need to keep it cheap to compete with Walmart. But I digress. Um, what, what reason would anybody have to fuel Maine's economy from outside if our product wasn't just way better and different and right, right. actual agriculture and, and, really people powered and like more than marketing is so curiously probably has a, an ad running somewhere talking about, we are the community. Well, you know, they're, they're marketing that shit. Nobody believes it. Nobody ever will. But the reason they're marketing it is because it's a powerful idea. And we actually are that here mm -hmm. and we can live that. And it, it, that is the real thing here. And so you have to preserve the real thing because otherwise you got no thing, you know, how do when we, all the barriers how, fall, do, which they will. So, 
we can't really allow that or necessarily think that that's going to come from on a state level as marketing ourselves as that they very well could and they probably should as they time should. goes on here highly recommend that to anyone listening I mean, that whole coast um or you know i mean if you opened it up yeah. for that type of hospitality yeah. it'd be amazing there's so many you could do ways. amazing um hospitality just because of what it is uh, let's send a barge of medical cannabis to france i mean like, are you kidding <laughs> like why wouldn't we do that we send a barge of beer to iceland I know. You know? Like, why wouldn't we be well, doing that you know? i think that as long as Besides international can, waters as long and as trafficking we, but there's got to be something as, as way long to as do we it. can keep a regulatory structure yeah. going that supports this cottage industry that lets yeah. all of these talented people just kind of get Give in there and operate. And, you know, and then there's the competitive playing field where that shakes out, but let's not game the rules as they do in other States to make it so that it's a pay to play system, mm-hmm. um, or even worse, you know, just limit the number of licenses. Just pure thuggery. Yeah. Yeah. You think ever limiting will be a bad idea? Yes, always. We always got, limitations always are here. Here in Maine, we don't want to do that. What about here in Maine? No cap we want to. We want to. <laughs> yeah, I thought that had limitations. Things have well. There were implications in other things that they had tried to do with that ordinance, and the the reason that that had to happen was because the ordinance was so badly written and oh, so messy it? and dysfunctional that the best thing to do was just nuke the thing, kind of. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I mean, that I didn't know. Just, there's working. obviously some issues with that sure um but uh, look you know and i yeah we don't all have to agree on whether it was the right way to license but it was better than doing it the way that they were gonna end up doing it because i'm not gonna lie higher grounds the way that maybe these things were would have gone if it weren't for you know kind of blowing the cap off i'd have been in a runoff with somebody yeah Uh, sure everybody in that market there were people who had four conflicts four people in a buffer, you know, I mean, it was just going to get nasty and horrible and everyone attacking each other. So the best move was to delete all that shit. But anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack, wow. I, yeah, you no. know, I, but I, you know, it's very game, game of thronesy actually. It is. And this is like what I personally <laughs> avoided that situation. Today. I'm glad other people society. occasionally can see what my other full-time job is because you know, Pro that wrestler. Was, <laughs> you know, that guy that. who eats nacho chips really loudly in that commercial. No, I'm kidding. And, and just for the record, oh, that was John. That was, that was almost me too. Sporting a hot pink higher grounds, yeah, baby, tank top bestseller. He's looking Sun's very out, good. Out. The guns are out. He's looking fit. The unicorn flip. We got it. He's got his mullet. <laughs> I would, I'm glad you mentioned that. Breeze. I'm glad you mentioned that because something that is actually really great about higher grounds that has nothing to do with me is that we are a queer owned business mm-hmm. and a woman Boom. run business. Mm-hmm. And I don't market that but I have like a microphone and people are maybe listening. So I'm like, Oh, I really need to say this. Get the word out, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, 
I'm a, I'm a gay man. I'm queer. I'm not, you know, and, and we are making space in a place where straight white guys who just have a lot of money and that's the only reason they're involved in the conversation kind of run shit <laughs> yeah. and you're in there making space and it's hard to do no matter who you are, but we're doing it as queer people, as, you know, like uh, my general manager is a Latina woman who, yeah, her career in service or in anything else would be really weird. You know, it's there's Maine is still a tough place to be for a I, lot of people. I was going to ask, are there not, is there not a lot of um, gay business owned uh, I know operations of, in Portland I know of a couple. or through the state? I know of because a couple. Because like even up here, there used to be like uh, a couple gay bars. Uh, yeah. The Sportsman's Club was one of them. One of the yeah, victims, one. one of the victims of general acceptance is special places that are sort of reserved for queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, and you know, I think Portland only has a couple, has one real gay gay bar and another queerish bar. But it's because you can go to any bar; it's just not that big an obstacle in being alive oh, as it used right to be. At, right. It, it, yeah, not yeah. to diminish the you know experiences of any of my like queer or trans anybody um you know sort of um family who have a different experience of that because that is still very real but just we all know in general the environment's a little better a little better and especially in portland but you don't um because of that you don't have those special places and so like you know you come into my shop it's not necessarily like a gay bar right but i have my nasty women flag that I wore on my back well me and shitloads of women and queer people and yes straight people but thanks for coming allies yeah, right, to support right. the the actual you know I have that there people have walked out of my shop after seeing that I don't care you know you mean not to return yes like, uh, no right. and you hear them talking like oh my god this what is is this you know and look at my hair I mean I look ridiculous <laughs> to a certain kind of person I've been told by wait what, what, what do they walk out in reaction or oh, my nasty women uh you know cape that i have draped over my storage <laughs> closet what is, what does that associate with I, I don't the know. women's march the women's march that was that. opposed to president trump yeah oh, okay. and, and of course you know he was the catalyst that was more about wow women are treated as second class and you know abused and the things that we kind of take for granted are awful. They're so awful and so persistent. I mean, yeah, it was about everything and it was amazing. So anyway, just to, I want to shout that out because, you know, I think it's really important. Uh, Cannabis is a space where a lot of, you know, generally queer people are working Mm -hmm. and are actually attracted to because there are different sets of values and it's newer. And I don't know, there's just, there's a lot of queer people in the space in general, but not a lot of owners, just like there aren't black owners it's, just a, like it's a libertarian space mm. is it mm. is that how you see it cannabis you mean yes i think so in maine maybe in maine yeah everywhere well, else yeah. it's arch reptile space arch <laughs> it's right. not really libertarian it's monopolist yeah. you know anyway pugilist. well I, i've always associated cannabis the culture of cannabis with you know a free-spirited mentality mm. And a so you mean like of, libertarian in a non-statist way? Isn't that yes, perhaps more philosophically? Isn't yeah. that one of the reasons why you got into cannabis? So you kind of had like this uh, awakening at a different point in your life that kind of opened up this idea. Yeah, well, you, mentioned something like that you know, before, I've always or... liked cannabis. I, right. I used a fair amount when I was a youngster. <gasps> 
grown up in when Maine. you were a young lad yeah hopping around the neighborhood someone or... called the poison control center <laughs> yeah <laughs> this guy might have ingested cannabis 20 years ago no <laughs> um but i didn't use very much in my adulthood in part because of the the places i was living and the things i was doing professions I would, you think some profession, professions stop it like stop the i've worked in prevent prof- the use yeah, of partners yeah i've worked in professions. yeah i've worked in professions where it's kind of a no-no um so i think it can be like that and you know a, a lot it's still a very stigmatized thing in all kinds of little sectors of our society mm-hmm. and so it's more it's getting more accepted here in maine now i don't feel stigmatized personally in maine at this point sometimes i do have negative experiences when i'm for instance when i'm smelling like cannabis because of my work or patient use yeah people look at you a little differently still but yeah so i still get a little bit of that here and there in maine but most people you know seem like they accept that this is happening now and and have learned things or had personal experiences which have softened whatever prior uh, aversions to or or you know which yeah, condemnation a new, so. a new segment of uh, the population entrusted this idea of the medical program and the things that you can get from the medical program is that mm-hmm. kind of what you're saying like like well it created it broke down stigma the fact that there was that step of being a medical compassionate care seeing it work for people having it change someone's life it's definitely hard to be i think to continuously to be so ignorant or staunch about the topic because now and, everyone yeah, if you've ever to, used it probably <laughs> right, that exactly, too. and yeah. like every you there's no way you don't know someone that like you said yeah. either affected or someone that's it in in the in the industry and it's had a positive impact on their life so i think it's really starting to break down barriers yeah i think there might be some people here and there, but it's, uh, I think sometimes too, the looks even, it can be almost a look of like interest or like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I know yeah. that yeah, because yeah, yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, that guy forbidden. definitely just came from a grow, you know? So it seems forbidden, but it isn't mm-hmm. like verboten. It's not bad. Yeah. But you know, again, everyone in this room, you know, we should look around and like everyone who's especially in Maine, but in a lot of these sort of wealthier States and so on, where it is a little bit more like that. Can we all just, take a minute to appreciate how unbelievably lucky we are, how unbelievably hooked up, special, quote unquote, privileged, whatever word you want to use. Yeah. Because that we are, we represent in terms of lived experience, like 0.001% of how most people are treated when cannabis is involved in this world. Right, not just in America, but think about other. I mean, anyway, but America happens to be one of the worst abusers around the world. But like the Philippines, you know, where you can die for having drugs on you, and you know, um, you're getting executed exactly by the cops, you know, extrajudicial, whatever. But or or murdered by the state, like the cops, or or here where you can be murdered by the state and are murdered by the state every single probably. I mean, look, I don't have the fresh numbers in my mind, but probably every week someone in America is killed that really resulted from cannabis being illegal in some way. Yeah, it was back in March that you, uh, through the MCCA, that you uh, approached or, or proposed something to the state, was it not, on those grounds? You're talking about the MDEA agents? So that yeah, was yeah. that was actually a, 
uh, what was that a year and a half god the pandemic just threw this like you know black hole in the middle of time but the summer uh, geez, was, was it 2019 <laughs> yeah what the <laughs> somebody called boys and control center <laughs> yeah is everybody okay 2019, no. i think no wasn't hey, that early 2020 right before you gotta the, roll yeah another one you might these? be right you might be right this well, uh this is good by the way thank you yeah. yeah no well thank you. randall wonderful um, yeah, no, it, we, we, we haven't just been, oh, please carry take all for me. Help yourself. Blue star dogs. Really good. There you go. that's, one of my a, favorites. that's a good, one of my choice. favorites in the state. Yes. I say. Nice. Kim and glue. Nice. Who, who would complain? Well, so to your question about, you know, that, um, that, LM, uh, the MDEA agents. Yep. So, you know, one thing I think that often goes unnoticed are the ways that, organizations like ours and the cannabis coalition, you know, whatever uh, are, are working is in playing defense and in looking for problems, not just necessarily celebrating the industry or trying to, you know, make things better, but also just watching for landmines. And there was <laughs> quite a landmine from um, the, the budget there where um, they were trying to hire main drug enforcement agency agents to be civilian to be what enforcers of the adult use and medical oh, program yeah, right. and now you know again I, I would be doing a disservice to yeah but on the surface that looks like the right thing to do well that's what some would say um that's what i just said yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and you would say yeah well no i mean letting the DEA or anybody from the well, criminal anything whatsoever background, I think is a huge mistake. If we um, want to do, it, it, you would never think to, okay, this guy's got to go in and look at this guy's cows and make sure that they're healthy and he's not poisoning people with X, Y, and Z because he contaminates the raw milk with a cop because a cop doesn't know shit. Their yeah, job right. is totally different. And so if they come into your grow, and we've been fighting this from day one, yeah, uh, John, you and I both, aspect of you, it. John, you and I both fought this in Auburn when there was an attempt, you know, and again, like you said, it seems like a good idea. Why not? Um, they were going to try to use police officers as inspectors. And we were like, you can't use law enforcement officers as inspectors. You literally can't do that. And there's so many it, reasons it's why. It's very unsettling. But one of them is just common sense. Just what the hell does a cop know? Had about my cooking setup <laughs> cooking? you know i've got i've got all or, or like extraction you've got this massive lab let's call it like and, it could be boiled down to unreasonable search and seizure too at the, like well, the base and level. not like, to like, mention the know? unreasonable search and seizure which we got into and some people responded to when we were passing ld 1242 because even going in and inspecting video footage of your house or being able to show up at any time at your house Oh, sorry, you're violating the Constitution, like you are in so many other places in this document, and like all cannabis regulation does in so many ways. That's the one thing, you know, on top of the most important move, which is the social justice element mm -hmm. of decriminalization, which, why are we even talking about business? Let's just stop killing people and putting them in jail for it. But that second level is also... Amen, Brother Barnett. Oh, is that more of a... Um, I mean... I, I guess the way I'd look at it, it's still a, a, a racial injust, injustice Absolutely. more than anything else. Yeah, that's, it's the, that's it's, why they're still. It's the white power that state. Is still happening. Yeah. Oh, definitely. The white power state and the relationships between that and the you know sort of business oligarchs who have always been happy to ride whatever 
pony they got to do to make sure that they can, you know, kind of dominate a certain thing. As long as they well, the, maintain power, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. The war on drugs was simply, uh, you know, it's it was commerce. actually, it was a war on, on minorities. Economic uh, you know, and, and racial and, terrorism. Yeah, minorities, Mark? Minorities, I think, and, and gay people and, and hippies. And that was one thing. You couldn't make that, that oh, illegal. Right. But what you could do, for the most part, is make some of the stuff they enjoyed doing illegal. And well, that's what it's I a think pretext a, to go after the people they want to go after. Exactly. Well, and, and I it, think it's, it's, it's taken so long. And, I, and you brought up a good point too. Something that I'm, I think is, is I'm really passionate about is that a lot of the times, imagine I try to I try to imagine being the person. Yeah, yeah, you're fine to do whatever. Uh, I imagine being the person in jail. You know, a black person in jail for for crime. And there, and there is like you know they've gotten their three strike law sometime off of. Uh, off of a simple marijuana charge, and now they're serving. I think I've referenced Tamika Drummer before, serving mm. like a life sentence because of this stuff. And you know, oh. mother of two, she's been in prison since like 19 years old. And they had to think now she's sitting there watching, you know, rich white guys talk about, and I don't like to get deep into race, but talk about, yeah. you know, their stocks and it and how much money they're making. It's, it has to be such a fucked up reality to say, wow, damn, yeah. I'm here because of an ounce, less yeah. than $300, yeah. you know, Rogan and this does likes. happen to people of, of, yeah. of every, of every color across the, the whole spectrum. But I mean, it, it well, is, no, it, it's, it's really a disservice to for not sure. actually specifically talk about it in a black American context, because, mm-hmm. you know, yes, you know, and it, like you said, it is actually a class thing in a huge way. And it is, yeah. there are all these other pieces, but the most negatively impacted group of people are clearly black Americans and it like massively. So, and then also non white American, non white, non Americans. Mm-hmm. What did we do to central and South America? Holy shit. You know, we're literally starting wars down there because for in using drug policies. I mean, America multiplied it's like police state, murderous you know sort of drug policy across the world Mm -hmm. that's why other world governments have these views on cannabis their cultures didn't have those views traditionally about cannabis in most cases i mean we we marketed it as really bad you know exactly but we also like made it part of if like it's this is how we do this the drug treaties are like american bullying like this is how we organize the system for our pharmaceutical companies for example but you can't talk about it in a non-specifically black American context and say nothing else matters more than that, which is why I think everyone should write their representatives and their senators and tell them not to support the Democratic bill in the Senate, not to support Chuck Schumer's bill, but to instead support Ayanna Presley's resolution, which basically says we are only decriminalizing it full stop. We're not negotiating it based on what people want from economics. We're not negotiating it based on what people want from, you know, the sort of drug rehab world, that whole cartel of business. We're not talking about this in any other way except that we are decriminalizing it right now and getting people out of jail right now and doing restorative justice yep. right aren't now. They, uh, aren't they going to want like a trade-off though for that? I no, mean, that's but that's her point is. though is we cannot go into that trap and that's what we should push for because that is what Americans want. I think actually there are, and we saw that in Maine, and I don't want to equate the two parties, national and the state, but we went to people here who are Republicans. Their national party is foul on the issue of drugs, mm-hmm. almost any social issue in a lot of ways, not to, you know, but it just, right. the national party there is a really problematic group. Here in the state, they were like, oh, absolutely. They totally get it. And in fact, that idea 
that some bully gets to set the rules for how the economy works is something that a lot of people who are Republican voters or more conservative have never really been comfortable with. It's a core concept, I think, in a lot of ways of people who consider themselves conservative. So you can make that argument to them. You know, yeah, you probably are fully funded by big business, but politically you get it and your voters get that we shouldn't be over-regulating to the purpose of a few monopolies because isn't that socialism? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, and they well, get it and you can right. make that argument. And so it's incumbent, I think, upon liberals and people who are, you know, whatever, um, cool on drugs or progressive or whatever to recognize that and see that that's the thing that we can do. And that's the only thing that actually matters. They tell you, oh, the banking is the one thing we can do. And that's the one that matters. No, no, no. That's number two. Number one is decriminalization, empty the jails, make people's lives right for what you did to them, at least in some way, stop using this to break apart families in the fabric of culture, et cetera. Um, so I just think you're absolutely right. And you shouldn't shy away from that. And, you know, lots of people feel like they have to qualify it when we talk about that. But I think you, you don't have to qualify it that way. You can say that the only thing we should be talking about is the black American experience of cannabis mm -hmm. and, and how that should inform our next step. Like, that's a pretty educational standpoint as far as like the uh, I would have never realized that the Democratic bill didn't really put forward a whole you know, people has, getting out outside out of jail. You know, but that it, was it does have that. But that's like the doubt. That's the hook for them. And then there's an economic framework built into it when we could just do that. And it's you like can the normal political game. Like they normally yeah. try to wrap yeah, that's everything else and they stuff it. There's going to have to be a, they're going to want something in return for it. That's how it operates unless we can impact what, uh, what their ask could be. Well then write to Jared Golden. If you're here in Lewiston, write mm -hmm. to, you know, any of our state delegation or any of your own state delegation and tell them to just decriminalize it. I'm free. Empty the jails and don't get it bogged down. I think, easy letter, easy call, something like that. Look, you know, I mean, email. there's a million issues, but this one's kind of like sexy right now in some ways. And it's it's also going to be a high profile failure for, you know, Schumer to try to pass this bill. There's no way that bill's passing. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, Joe Biden's going to look at it and say, first of all, I'm conservative ish about this issue. I don't think we should just run headlong into selling weed legally because he's from that generation. But he can also be like, and I'm also negotiating with Philip Morris? Hmm, maybe not. And Amazon on the other side? That's literally who you're looking across the table at on these bills now. That's, Amazon, that's who's next. Philip Morris. That's no, who it's comes who's, into the game are not They're Nash, funding but. the people who are lobbying for these bills. That's who's lobbying for these bills right now. That's why Chuck Schumer's moving this shit. And it's those, it's those companies. And, and, and Biden knows the that first time, but the second time it's going to be a go. What's that? Isn't it, it? It has potential to fail this first time. But the I would think that the uh, framework would be set in place for let's not get complacent strike. about the House elections. Also, too, I feel like if you normally if you <laughs> fail, it's a political embarrassment it's to fail. fail badly. And then normally most of the time they won't want to go for it again unless they have a really strong push or they're feeling like a real big vendetta mm -hmm. because it's such an embarrassment the first time politically. Yeah. To say that your bill fell flat in its face. That well, it, on this issue, there's a huge amount of energy behind the activism element of it, and there's a huge amount of money pushing for the commercial element of it. So it's not going to ever go away, and no one's going to feel bad for having trying to hook up billionaires.
they get paid to do that shamelessly every fucking day. So they'll do that double dip, do it again another time, baby. I'm still getting, <laughs> you know, like cover me in that shit, right? Um, I, I digress, but I, I do think, and you were talking again? about getting the federal, <laughs> the federal conversation. I don't think a Biden administration passes a cannabis bill because I don't think that the centrist Democrats are capable of passing criminal justice reform by itself because they're all so beholden as well to the corporate interests that they'll always make the call well this is the time like you said to stuff this bill and do it with this this will get us through there and yeah. and that's just not i don't think it's not paired with anything. it's like the epitome of politics though there's never no pure intention it's there's well, always no. yeah. something you know there's a, yeah. where's the snake in the grass in the sense you know yeah. there's, it's well, always something and else. you have to accept that sometimes to do the right thing and that's i think what you're referring to is obviously there is going to be some trade-off but i think it's so nakedly obvious why and who right now that nobody who you know really has the best interests of his party's future in mind is going to just be like you know what the way that Amazon wants to do this is the way we should enshrine in federal law. Let's do that. You know, we're actually looking at antitrust against those companies right now because we're focused on the long term politically. I think the people who are caretakers of that party, for example. Um, so Joe Biden is as the president and a guy who's going to die in 10 years. He doesn't need to be famous, super popular. He's going to do the right thing in some cases. And this is one of those where he's just going to be like, we don't. I'm not going to support something that's done from that mm. angle. It doesn't seem like it's something that uh, is really of of his interest to right. go into. Not a priority. Not unless there's Too many some other sort fights. of redemptiveness for past transgressions, bills that he introduced back in the day. Yeah, and right, right, right. So. <laughs> well, that's why I think, you know, you really... I believe it was, what, the mid-90s, right? Mm. Um, is, oh, yeah, the crime, yeah. Yeah, there oh, were God. a lot of... So he, yeah, he has a lot of things to pay for and a lot of a lot of ground to make up, and I think that that's why Hopefully, he can that's succeed. That's why he wouldn't vote yeah. for it if he wants to. Well, it. and that's why I think to any you know strategist out there who's listening, you can succeed just doing the restorative justice bill. Pull the commercial shit off of it. Off of it, it is an interstate commerce issue. Yeah, but states should you know it's a, that's a state's power, federal whatever. Don't get into it. Decriminalize. There's one thing that we agree that the federal government has total authority on is as interpreting the Constitution against things that are wrong across the states. So let's make cannabis legal. Let's let everybody out. When a state tries to go, the federal government stops them from fucking with you. We're going to have to train cops not to shoot people over weed. We're going to have to, you know, but like we can invest in that and the, the benefits to society are obvious to all. So that we can do that. We can just pass that. Do we, um, you know, Evan, you brought it up a little while ago about like, uh, so a lot of medical states that are getting uh, put into positions, like allowing for people to participate being over the top, just way too much. There's so creating models like what we have had here and the battles that we're going to start to maybe assume I, should we be aligning with other states those those cannabis associations in other states would it make sense the ones who are still to some degree resemble what what models we have here like help them because <clears throat> in the long run it's going to be for the better if we have more numbers that you know involved yeah rather than just 
as beautiful as it would be to have Maine be the only state yeah. in America that you know, shame, has this right? ability or yeah. access to grow good medical and, and provide. Yeah. It just wouldn't work. It just shouldn't work only that way. I think that's part of my so dream for that next step for the Craft Cannabis Association is to work with a national organization, both through speaking a lot and all of us here in Maine speaking to our own delegation. But yeah, as you said, liaising and partnering and making these larger groups that maybe do send somebody to Washington during <coughs> certain periods of time and that mm. do have that meta-level organization because Alaska, um, God, it's such a short list. It's so depressing. Wow. But wait, wait, Alaska, wait, you say Alaska, Oklahoma, um, Oregon, kind of. What's the R and D in making a room in Alaska? And, and, huh? You know, we all nothing know, on the outside walls, right? Uh, nothing we, on the outside. Walls. We all know patients from other states in the Northeast yeah. right, that really wish that there were a medical program in their home states. Oh like yeah, there is. Oh, here for sure, like a real one. Right? And we should yeah, support their, you know. Yeah their desire and crusade to have that. So, well, yeah, that's great if we could do something to help them. Yeah, and we've had, you know, not just those, but the future medical markets yeah. that are only starting to on, you know, on, on paper right. making sense and so right. those are the ones new programs. Are normal programs that in within a lot of those states that normal? it's just normal? Yeah. yeah, they have a good presence I think to some extent as much as anyone does. Yeah, um, but not a real. Is it an educational or laying the groundwork on a legislative level? You know, for, I for think it varies. it varies. You know, they'll submit testimony on things, um, and if you go to their website, they have you know some like white paper type policy positions and stuff. But I think what people need to recognize about normal is that they've been in the game so long that they very much play within its rules, so they wouldn't support necessarily what we did up here. Gotcha. Even though Lynn Williams, Representative Lynn Williams from Bar Harbor, who, you know, was the we worked directly with her to craft that bill. Um, and she was the lead uh, sponsor of that bill and she battled for it and she was amazing. And everyone look her up. She's wonderful. She also directs films, you know, <laughs> awesome, Maine, great. <laughs> um, but she was on the legal board and, you know, has been a part of normal for a long time. But she's kind of a uh, an extreme radical almost in some ways, because normal is almost sort of. Like they, they, they talk about mandatory tracking as if it's some answer. They're that kind of bought in in some oh, ways. Really? Because they're willing to make that level, that surface level seeming argument sacrifice in order to you get know, things be I, legal. I thought we were going to have to give that up, to be honest with you. We all did, didn't yeah. we? And yeah. then we just deleted it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know it. <laughs> but no, I mean, but th- what I mean I is. I thought that was good. Normal has never been like powerful. No cannabis organization or advocacy groups have been powerful. It's not so really influence. To... It was right. so it much. was a bold philosophical choice. Yeah, to, to go that. to just put a fucking torpedo right in that. Yeah, <laughs> but the reality is that we had we we had a great argument, which was true, which is operationally at the scale of caregiver businesses, this mm-hmm. is actually a major cost. Yeah. that a lot of small businesses would not be able to comply with easily. Caregivers are already working long hours doing all kinds of tasks yeah. because these are pretty complex little businesses. Especially for one or two many, people, which is so many. many entities, with a lot. How many entities are uh, comprised the uh, MCCA? Uh, right now there yeah, are right 13. Now. How many? 13. 13, yep. 
and, and we various have a, sizes, but and we have a too... um, we have a, a nurse practitioner as well who's oh, on the do. board. Um, she's not, you know, uh, obviously profiting mm -hmm. from cannabis in the same way that the rest of us are. So it's a very different voice. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would say we range from the absolute micro, one person, another group's two, another group's three. Some folks are starting to get into a place where they employ five people. We have a couple people who have don't even meet the definition of small business anymore. Maybe they employ more than 20 people, right. which is like a legal thing that we were prepared term, to fight yeah. about <laughs> this last session. But so it's, it's quite a range. There's processors, there's um, cultivators, there's retailers and policy people and healthcare and patients. We're all patients. I think everyone in the group is patients. Mm -hmm. And that's also, you know, a really important thing that we, we don't really highlight that in political testimony, but to some extent, you know, you got to use this shit to have any ability to talk about the positive element of it, you know, in a lot of ways, um, or the practical implementations of certain things, because you, it's like, oh, does this person want like a 10 milligram bottle that has to have three different plastic moving parts just to have 10 milligrams? Like no one will ever make the choice to have that packaging mm. if they've ever used cannabis. Mm. But to these policy wonks who live in stupid corporate, you know, regulation world, like, well, it's, uh, more it's regulated. The, and it's the allowance. Uh, I love the idea of an identity for main brands yeah. too. I, I like that. I, I wouldn't want to see that removed anytime soon. In fact, I'd rather see it embraced. And so... Oh yeah, yeah. You know, the more that people can push what what they are and who they are, it allows for that's that place out in Auburn or the you know mm -hmm. uh, wherever you might be located, right? But um, I went to school they can with have them. that kind They're of cool. recognition right. and relationship with you. Yeah, that's that's great long term. Or down in the Portland area. Yep. Do we think having such a diversified standpoint, as far as like from advocacy groups, could have been more of a of a hindrance? Um, then that's then a good the benefit, question. like, I mean, obviously yeah. there's, a, you know, freedom of expression in that sense of having an opinion. I think it's crucial and important, but there's moments where I said, Don't wow, if everyone yeah. was on the same page on this and everyone pushed one thing, there might've been more of a, you know, there was always a general consensus of, you know, fuck these people or, you know, <laughs> we're cool with these people. Fuck that's you guy. That's yeah. kind of how, yeah. you know, we, I, I, you viewed things is like, you're like, oh, yeah. all right, well, you know, this is who we hate now collectively in yeah. <laughs> the main cannabis community, yeah. I guess this week. Uh, but I know what you mean. Yeah. But that's always one thing I wondered if, if it would have been more tactical to approach everything as one, you know? Well, I think, you know, there's two things going on there. One is, you know, the conceptual, which is in theory, not, yeah, I think in general, a lot of times it makes it simpler for politicians and easier for them to kind of know that there's one industry voice and one kind of unified voice, which I would say we all kind of came together and put together this informal, you know, like cannabis council of the different groups. And we met with representatives from each of our groups for months together, actually. And so we did do the very, the, the actual on the ground work of collaboration. But at the same time, Maine has had the journey that it's had, and certain people know certain people that they know and are viewed one way by one group and another way completely by another group. So it actually does matter to that very specific level. Well, okay, so let's take a random, you know, unnamed senator, and they're sitting on this committee what do they think of X person who's going to be associated with this? And in that sense, the actual like 
operational tactics that we used over the past eight months, Mm -hmm. it was much more effective to have slightly different perspectives and slightly different watersheds so that you couldn't look at us and say, well, the big guys have obviously come to dominate. And we're not the big guys. I don't mean that. But you couldn't look at like one mass group where you would assume that the biggest players kind of run the show. And so those smaller players don't get as much of a voice. Well, when somebody represents a group that is mostly clearly a very different business model. Yeah, categorically speaking. Categorically speaking. And one group represents people who deal with children who need cannabis. Needs are so different. Their needs are so different. And a group who's all about craft and that kind of more philosophical big picture policy element, which is what we focus on. And you see them all saying the same thing. And it's not that the... So if there were only one cannabis thing in, in Maine and the nurse from the cannabis thing said this and the, you know, the business owner from the cannabis thing said this and the cultivator from cannabis thing said this, they're still the, the cannabis thing. It's pretty unified. But when we are yeah. actually different people who had a different path and who organized, self-organized organically to say these things to them publicly and to interact with them, and we all say the same shit, we all came from very different places, that was the home run. That's what delivered only two votes against in the Senate. That's what delivered that. So if we had been unanimous... Were we able to come together like that? You think that's part of it too? Yeah, right, right, right. Where there isn't... $12 $12 million dollars lobbying on this al- element and $12 million over here and $3 million here and four. Like we, It's so small potatoes to some extent that there are, the stakes are low enough for us to be able to break bread and come together. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like you guys were able to, uh, uh, like seagulls individually pick off, yeah. you know, individual senators because you all had your own different approach and whatnot or, or, or <laughs> lawmakers. And that's what really yeah. allowed you to, you know, kind of yeah. the David and Goliath scenario. And, I mean, and I spoke with so it many. It was fun to be a part of. Yeah, it was yeah. incredibly I, fun. I remember actually. that I sent emails to all of the senators and representatives in the Lewis and Auburn area because my business is in Auburn and I live in Lewiston. Mm-hmm in the final days before the vote. And I got a response, a, a thoughtful response mm-hmm. back from a representative from Auburn that I'd never had prior communication with, uh, that actually my business is not located in the district that that individual represents. And it's, it was like they just heard me, you know, they just like read it and heard it philosophically. And I think that's pretty cool. You Spoke know? to them enough to want to respond to you. Yeah. Because they didn't need yeah. to. That's not their so, right. Just with a rote, oh, registered that one voter who would vote against me if I didn't do this. Was it curiosity to dug into it? You know, the behalf? small business thing is key here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, strategically. I, that's a big takeaway because it's medical, pretty cool for the crafts to yeah. exist well the biggest thing i think the biggest ally for uh, a citizen right now that it can also be the biggest hindrance for business is social media and that's what i think it keeps a lot of politicians and and business owners on their toes nowadays there you can't really slip up because everyone's got a camera everyone's got a phone <laughs> and you're like one video away from becoming viral yeah. you know so i think that's the one thing where people remain guarded and try to actually do listen to people because they never know you don't respond to an email and who knows if john has enough followers on instagram to really get some traction yeah. to say hey this 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 guy from 
so-and-so district did just decide to completely ignore me and that gains some traction to get this guy or whoever yeah not elected next time. to think think united mm-hmm. well it's larger, a compliment it's a compliment too to that whole packing the halls thing, which in normal sessions the medical program definitely still would do. There'd be a room full of people staring at you as you're trying to become comfortable with the ideas put in front of you by the acreage holdings, and everybody in the room is like, "Are you fucking serious?" There's like anger in my eyes, and you can see it. <laughs> and that, you know, that was very powerful, still is powerful, but we had to rely more on that vast blast out on Mm -hmm. social media because we couldn't pack a room and with our pheromones communicate to the representatives and senators (laughs) what they needed to do right now or they were going to get torn apart you know and like that was missing so that that element of having yeah it was so hugely important especially this time around Mm -hmm. it was Mark and John, yeah. thanks for coming. Thank you guys so much. It yeah, was it was super fun to just yeah get a little lit and hang out in the space. Dude, Terps anytime you want. Yeah, this is actually, great. I'm down with it. This yeah, turn into a Tuesday night thing for me for sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I live right guys. across the river, yeah. so thank you for having us. And yeah. This is really thanks cool. A lot. Awesome. Thank you, Cheers. Cheers.